Okay, from the Smile Diner uh, here in beautiful Vancouver, Canada. Uh, this is our second Vancouver show. We're going to do another kind of just rambling through some of the movies we've seen over the last several days here at the Vancouver International Film Festival. With me, as always, is my good colleague and Anna Kendrick superfan, Sean Gilman. That is true. Uh, how is your food at the Smile Diner, Sean? It's good. It's, yeah. Uh, Tasty. Tasty food. Uh, and, <laughs> it's my, my second time eating here this week. It's, uh, it's yeah, a nice place. Yeah, recognized you. And, yeah. Uh, well, I'm memorable. Yeah. She didn't recognize <laughs> you, me until do, I ordered the exact same. She didn't recognize me until I ordered the exact same thing. Right. <laughs> she recognized uh, if, my so order. If you, if, you were, if, 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 if you were a serial killer, we would track you down based on the chow mein. What did you get? Fried based rice? Based on the fried rice. Yes. On the fried rice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and the fried rice and Diet Coke. Right. It's, it's, it's my Immediate, tell. Immediately recognizable. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and with us today on the show, we have a special guest, uh, Melissa, our friend. Hi, Melissa. Hi. Our first ever guest on the George Sanders show. First ever guest on the George Sanders show, except for my dog, who's joined us on a couple of shows. You can hear him in the no, background. I always edit out your dog. No! Yeah. Well, I, I've got video. We can pull out the it's video. Okay, I edited out my daughter too. <laughs> you know, I think your daughter and I should actually do a podcast together. I think, I think, I think the pre-show stuff. I think that would Elizabeth be much more entertaining. Reviews. Yeah, yeah. That the stuff that she and I talk about before the show, way more interesting than any of this. I, I saved an MP3 of one of your conversations. I can to send it to you. You should do it. There you go. It's, nice. it's like five minutes long. You talk about Disneyland. Review of Frozen or something. <laughs> No, we don't. Wanna, we can, we would come to blows if we're frozen. We'd have to find some common ground. But uh, yeah, so here we are. Um, Been watching some movies. Yeah, uh, Melissa, you just got back here. Yes, I was here last Friday and Saturday, and now I'm here again after teaching in between. Yeah, you actually have a life and uh, a, a family, job and a job and stuff. And stuff yeah. yeah, I'm like goofus and gallant over here. <laughs> yeah. um, so how many have you seen so, I mean you pack them in you've watched I, like five movies a day each yeah, time you've been here. I saw ten when I was here last time and now I have saw two last night one two, today well one no, two today. plus a screener yeah, yeah. so yeah, four I think since you, I've been back yeah. wow see I think you and I are tied and I've been here for seven days straight mm-hmm. so. well I have the intensity you know I, yeah. have, to, I have to pack it in because yeah. I'm, I'm only here for a couple days so. it's, it's commendable are you, are you enjoying the festival? Is this, this is your first time here, right? First time, yes. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's nice to be in a theater, appreciative film goers. And, yeah, and just being in an atmosphere where people are talking about movies, I guess. They're hard, they're, they're hard to find in Bellingham, so you have yeah. to go online. You have to admit, it's a, it's a little annoying having to be stuck with the two of us, though. Well, you know, <laughs> it's a give and take. <laughs> it's, it's pretty rough. It's you're you're definitely slumming it. Uh, yeah. Um, you well, know. you know it's a privilege to be on the George Sanders <laughs> podcast when there's like, <laughs> not as much as the van rambling. The other <laughs> so it's one it's one for the resume there. That's right. Yeah. We're gonna be interrupted here. So what was everything? It was it was Good. delicious. Oh, you finished. Yeah, it. I did. I took a little bit. You lucky. I know. They uh, care about you. Yeah. That's right. It's, which one's your brother? None of them. Sister? No. I'm the brother. <laughs> no. But they care about me like I was family. So you're the maybe your baby? I'm the baby. <laughs> you are actually. I, I'm the baby of the group. Yeah. 
Uh, we should totally leave that in. Uh, so yeah, so we've kind of, at least over the last couple of days, we've all kind of splintered off and, and seen our own stuff, or at least I've, I've gone rogue. Yeah, I'm a rogue nation right now. <laughs> last weekend was like really was really packed with, with movies that we all wanted to see, and then, as the weekdays have gone on, there have been less and less. <laughs> yeah, yesterday was really, really slim. I only saw one movie yesterday and took, took a little breather. I, I think I saw four yesterday, and you gave them all like two and a half stars. Yeah, yeah. like any of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, let's not talk about the bad movies. Let's talk about okay. the good movies. So, the last episode. Uh, I think within the first two minutes we said uh, we were going to dive into the new Hong Sang-soo movie, which we uh, promptly forgot to do. Yeah. <laughs> we had you just didn't even finished mention watching it. After it. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you talked about Tom Anderson. So was... Yeah, we made up. We made that. Kind of I mean, made up yeah. for it. There's lots of movies. There are a lot of, there are, yeah. So now, we, now we've had a few days. We can digest the, the Hong a little more. Yeah, and you know. It, it seems to me from the, um, I don't know, the spheres I traffic in, that the response to this Hong movie is kind of uh, huge. People are, like, really responding to this one more so than a lot of the uh, stuff that's played in the last couple of years. Yeah, and, uh, it's, it's gotten a lot of, like, best of his career kind of things, or, like, this will be his breakthrough film. Kind of notices. Does it seem slightly more accessible in some way than some of the other ones? I think that's a good point. I think I think I think it kind of straddles that line between his more straightforward narratives, um, but also doing kind of the, you know, chopping up the, you know, the structure and kind of stuff, but but in a much more uh, digestible sort of way. It's not something like Oki's movie where you kind of have to really. I, when I finished Oki's movie, I had to like be like, okay. How do the four pieces kind of fit together? And this one is readily apparent while you're watching it, you know? Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's formal experimentation is easy to understand yeah. mm-hmm. and easy to figure out. And which is not a bad thing. I mean, no. I mean but but at the same time, I, I'll just come out and say it. I, I, I mean, I really like the movie. I, you know, every Hong Sang-soo movie... Uh, is really good, and this is another really, really good one. Um, but I'm not over the moon for it. Like it seems like everybody else is. It seems like there's, um, I don't know, and which makes me feel like I don't like it as much. But it's not, that's not true. But um, it, it, my problem with, and I don't want to say problem, but it doesn't hit me emotionally like some of the much more straightforward ones, like uh, Woman is the Future of Man or something, which really kind of hit me in a special spot. <laughs> um, and it's also like one of my least favorites. I really like that movie. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I understand, you know, it's, it's, it's a different movie from a lot of the other ones, and, and I group those, the ones that are a little more daring in terms of, you know, deconstructing the narrative and all that kind of stuff, um, which I really, really like, but... Um, but the, I like the ones of those that are, like I said, a little more complicated or whatever. So this seems to kind of split the difference. Um, and it's good, but I, but I, I don't know. I'm not, like, I, I w- it's not in my top five at the festival here. How do you feel about it? 
folks. You've only seen I've only one seen other. in another country, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of the only one I'm comparing it to, which that one does seem structurally a little bit harder to kind of wrap your head around or but I, I really loved that one mm-hmm. too but it's kind it's of great. one that as you said seems kind of less immediately structurally you would get what he's doing I think, I think that's that's a good comparison because that that's one with a, like an easy structure to figure out because right. you have the framing device and, and you return to it and it's the girl who's writing Just three different, different stories right. uh, inspired by the same character mm-hmm. but he adds like a special twist to it where the various stories bleed into each other right in this kind of weird kind of reality confusing way mm-hmm. that gives you something it, it gives the story something magical and it gives you something yeah. to, to think about whereas right now wrong then just it basically just, just sticks to its two like stories right. kind of like yeah right yeah and that's fine but I do feel like it's a little more I feel it's it's simple in in both ways. I think that the story is very very simple, and I and I think then that structural thing is also very simple. And there's something to say for simplicity. There's a lot of movies that I've seen over the past week here that are, you know, needlessly wi- complicated. willfully yeah, yeah complicated. And it's like fuck you, just what just tell a story here, yeah. you know. Um, but at the same time, I feel like there's not as much to chew on with this one. Um, it I feel like this one boils down to you know, tell the truth. <laughs> Honesty is rewarded. Yeah, something. you know, which yeah. is fine. That's great. I agree. But um, I do think with this one, I mean, again, just comparing it to another country, I was able to sort of warm to the characters a little bit more, uh, in especially this in the yeah. second half, I guess. Whereas in another country, I thought everyone was interesting, but I didn't necessarily kind of warm to them. So, again, But that I, one's I, in, intentionally more remote, I think. It, that it, right, it, even yeah. the kind of central right. character is right. sort of... Yeah, so. yeah, and it's uh, the thing. The thing that sticks with me in right now, wrong then is this kind of sadness that runs yeah. through it. Even it like in in, in in the first half, it's like this this tragedy where the director is dishonest and it leaves him like bitter and angry and alone by the end of the film. And in the second, he's honest, and but he's still alone at the end. But he's, you know had a worthwhile time he's not angry but he's still lonely right so he's more fulfilled in the second half but again there's just kind of yeah it's 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 more it's more like a melancholy kind of thing well it's a resignation tragedy and and uh, to me actually the the final shot to me um you know puts the focus on uh the female lead um and i actually i that to me is actually a really great ending to that movie is where, you know, they've kind of, they've separate, you know, they've gone their separate ways. They had this chance encounter or whatever. And then she goes and sees this movie. I'm totally spoiled. <laughs> um, but, but there is this weird kind of, I don't know. It is a, there's a weird kind of optimism to the end of that movie for me. Um, at least in terms of her character where she's kind of come to some sort of peace. It's, it's something about this this idea of personal connection and whether like the director can actually uh, connect with another human being and it it seems like he's he can do that for a brief while and after that it will just be through his movies mm. and that's basically the way that he has to connect with other people is by them watching his films. But hey, 
That's better than a lot of people. Sure. I mean, I can't connect to anybody. <laughs> well, you connect with your podcast. <laughs> connect with the ether. I, I guess so. Um, well, I did love the kind of the shift in perspective where, again, I don't really know what was coming with the Hong Sang Su, but I, I, the first half is more you're from the lens of the directors. Mm-hmm. And it, it still felt like he, I guess he still feels like a central character, but in the second half, you are much more engaged in her perspective and it's, who it, he is and how things look. And I think you feel more engaged than with her own journey as an artist or a person. Or Yeah, it's, re- it's really satisfying in the second half when the compositions that had been tilted to yeah. his perspective become balanced. Mm-hmm. And you see the, the two of them as, as equals. Yeah, exactly. Which is... Uh, which is a, you know, it's a simple thing to do, but he right. he does it so well yeah. and so elegantly mm-hmm. in the film that it's it's hard to fault it for being simple. Right, exactly. Because so in, the, in in yeah. a lot of ways, like simplicity is an ideal in film. Like you want your movie to be right. direct and, and to communicate. Mm-hmm. So. And yet, in terms of other storytelling, is doing something much more complex than other stories. Many other. Sure, I mean it's only yeah, it's it's only simple relative to Hong Sang Soo. Right, too. exactly. Yeah. Well, in that second half, that you know, when like you said, the perspective changes. Uh, you know, Hong Sang Soo is known for his his zooms. Um, you know, particularly like something like Ha 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 or something like that has these just pretty radical, and I mean that in like a you know totally tubular sort of way, like uh, these zooms. It feels like this amateur like. Film it's like I'm going in. Boyer you know? sort of. Yeah. yeah. And, but the one in this one, uh, th- there's one in that second half that zooms in on her reaction to something sucker punch like that one was like okay I love it like it, it it's cool it, it it works for the story it's very and it and it, and it um, is a simple once again simple way of addressing you know the issue at hand I think it's it's pretty awesome there's a point of view shot in the film which I think is the first for Hong I don't I don't think I've ever seen any other point of view shots and it's when the the start of the second or the start of the first movie the director looks out his uh, hotel room window oh, right. and sees mm-hmm. the assistant yeah. Yeah. down down below yeah it's like the first second shot in the movie yeah, yeah and we've, we've never had Hong like adopt another character's point of view mm. uh, and then when that in that same scenario in the second half it's from the ground looking up and uh, there's nobody there the assistant mm-hmm. director isn't there, so it's just us looking up at the director. Right. So that was exciting. Yeah. <laughs> it was like now in, we're getting into nerd in, stuff. In, in, in Hill of Freedom, when there was a dissolve, I like applauded. And I see. Yeah, he'd never doing on the table. He'd never done a dissolve before. Yeah. yeah. So. No, it's good. It's good. Um, I've seen four. Korean films at the festival and they're split evenly down the middle of uh, really good that and then the Piper which I talked about in the last show and then uh, <laughs> you're making mediocre um, which was uh, Alice in uh, Ernest Land oh, yeah. and um, really the hell was the other one that I watched I know there was another one I, I can't even remember what it was anymore <laughs> uh, that was right before Alice in Ernest Land wasn't it or was that other one I don't oh no! I watched. Uh, it was yesterday or no, two days ago. I watched. Um, oh, the classified file. The classified file. Oh, you didn't was, like that one? It was terrible. Really? Oh. Yeah, it was. Um, and this goes actually kind of ties in is the that it's edited so 
it, the, the, the cuts are so rapid that none of it like sticks like it moves from one thing to another so quickly yeah. and and it's so much exposition and dialogue and stuff and just trying to move from the next thing to another that it's trying to be breathlessly paced but it's totally inert and I just sat there being like why do I care about anything that's going on in this movie so that was a really big disappointment that was actually my second least favorite movie of the festival so. it's too bad that one was kind of interesting yeah. I my favorite Korean film I've seen here is Matter of Interpretation, which we talked about on our Sith show that you just, I saw. just saw. Yeah, which I really liked a lot too. Yeah, it's a good movie. It is. Yeah, <laughs> and it does. I, I mean, I think I saw it the same day or as the Hong Sing too, or close to the anyway. It was like the next the next morning hours. after. Yeah, after the Hong. but it it kind of goes well with a, another sort of storytelling that is kind of very metatextual. Can I get another Diet Coke? Diet Coke? I'm all right. I think I'm good. Thank you. Take the crackers and reuse them. I'm going back in the bag. The way your crackers. Yeah. Yeah. Bucket. It's your chance to eat. Yep. So anyway, it was just a nice pairing with the Hong Sang Su and the um, Lee. Again, kind of circling around storytelling and going back over something, but doing it this way through dreams. Thank you. Um, where you're shifting in and out of kind of a dream reality and the reality, and the dream is kind of a commentary on reality and vice versa, in the same way that just two halves of Hong Sang Su's movie are commentary on each other. And what I like, yeah, what I like about that movie and, and Romance Joe and stuff is, is is seeing that he's clearly of the lineage of Hong Sang Soo coming, you know, uh, yeah. from uh, you know under his wing or whatever. Um, but what he does with those kind of narrative, you know, I don't want to say tricks because that sounds like cheap and phony, but you know those those kind of uh, interesting things, structural that, games. structural games. <laughs> um, is they're so different. And to, mm -hmm. and to such yeah. different ends, too. Yeah. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, mm -hmm. the preoccupations of, of Lee and Hong, the ultimate end goals of their movies are so different from one another. Yeah, he's... Uh, the uh, I don't think I picked up on the as many of the kind of Alice in Wonderland references the first time I saw A Matter of Interpretation, but that is something that occurs again in Romance Joe, so... It's clearly, he's got a Lewis Carroll obsession, mm. which I, I would never connect Tong Sing Su to right. Lewis Carroll. Mm -hmm. right. It's like a, some kind of, of sense of the absurd, mm -hmm. that Hong, Hong seems more serious while also being kind of more funny. Yeah, not as, mm -hmm. uh, there, there's, there's, there's a depression to yeah. these films that, uh, you know, both of them deal explicitly with suicide. Um, yeah, Hong, there's there's more anger than depression in Hong, I think. Yeah. Kind of bitterness. But neither of them are cynical. No, I don't right. think so at all. Um, you know, you could argue that they're <laughs> realists or whatever, you know, depending on your perspective and stuff. But, um, you know, I, I, I tap into that sadness. I think it's Yeah, and both of them are kind of, it seems like they're both interested in the way that you deal with some of that sadness, depression, or anger, like right. as a, through art or also through connections with other people, and then right. how art does or doesn't work, and how connections do work 
don't work. And again, it's not really cynical it, it take on either one, but it seems like sometimes they work and sometimes they they don't. Yeah. And it's kind of heartbreaking when they don't. Which, well, then heartbreak isn't a, sad, a cynical sort of approach, I think. Yeah. I'm going to open the soda. Way to ruin everybody's train of thought, Sean. So that was second time of matter interpretation for both of you. I didn't see it here. He didn't see it here. I had had something conflicting with it. Something that wasn't nearly as good. I think I think you saw the Piper at that time. Piper's really good. Yeah, which you liked that one. Yeah, no one else saw the Piper, and no one seems to care about the Piper. But I think the Piper's really good. It's super fun and like totally commits to its craziness. But we talked about that on the last show. Right. So. So should we talk about the uh, the, the elephant in the room? The elephant in the room. You don't want to shield for him? No, no, no diet for me. I'm trying. No, my figure's perfect as it is. I don't need to worry about slimming down. Uh, Why are they no all good. shaking their head like that? <laughs> I don't know. You started you it. <laughs> I didn't say you nothing. Did, you, you shook your head first. <laughs> you planted it in their brains. No, I just asked for one answer. They say no. Yeah. No. I'm troubled. You're the trouble. I'm troubled. Sorry. Have a trouble, have a fun. No trouble, no fun. That's right. See? <laughs> yeah, he does so they like it, right? Otherwise, I, I make life interesting. <laughs> I like it. That's right. <laughs> okay, here's the favorite. deal. Edit out all the bullshit we've been talking about, and just me and Just her. you and the matrix. Yeah. That's your show. So the other big uh, film that we've all managed to see uh, that we haven't spoken about yet, at least on the on the show, has been the, uh, not just my most anticipated film of the festival and not just my most anticipated film of the year it's my most anticipated film every year for the last seven years yes. this one has been and promised and coming for a long time okay. since yes. Flight of the Red Balloon since Flight of the Red Balloon which was Ho in Shoshin 2007 yeah. Yeah. Ho Shen has been talking about his Tang, Tang Dynasty Wuja film so the question is did it live up to your expectations of course <laughs> We're talking about The Assassin, uh, which had a, uh, a showing at the largest auditorium here, the CPA, um, and it was a packed house. They opened up the balconies for it, which they hadn't for any other show that I'd seen there. Um, and it was a yeah, very big crowd. And, uh, a very big crowd and a very big screen and a very strange movie that, I mean, if you, if you wanted to design a movie for me to love that would have been it <laughs> so I don't I don't know that I should be the first one to talk about it I think you guys should talk about it first well what's your experience with Ho Shao Shen? I've How only seen a couple seen? of Ho Shao Shen. I've seen uh, the aforementioned right. Play of the Revolution and I've seen three times um, both of which I like um, you know I, I missed the the whole retrospective that came to Seattle because I was also in Canada um, back in March when that happened. So I missed uh, all the 35mm prints that played at the Film Forming Grand Illusion as well as the screenings of Scarecrow. Um, and I respect Ho and I like the stuff I've seen. I'm not predisposed to it like Sean 
and that might change if I see more. You know, I've promised to see Millennium Mamba for a long time, and, and I, you know, um, I have nothing against. What about you? <laughs> I've seen only Flight of the Red Balloon, and I loved it. Yeah. I mean, I think it was my favorite film of that year. Um, it's, it's my favorite film of that year, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's no surprise. Um, it is one, though, that I've, I, find, I have a hard time talking about, I think. And I, I think I need to rewatch it, but I don't really quite know exactly why I love it so much. I mean, it just really got under my skin in a way that I don't completely understand. And maybe well, that's like kind of the best movies. Yeah. 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 I think some of my favorite movies... It's a little hard for me to articulate, you know, like, like, the New World, mm -hmm. which is my favorite movie of this millennium. Mm -hmm. I, I, when I start talking about it, my my tongue gets tied, and I just like yeah. it, it's hard to, it's hard to kind of uh, vocalize that affection. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard to translate that into words. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I I totally understand that um, reaction. Yeah, I mean, just to, trying to figure out how to. Breaks it in words or, or describe how you feel about it in words. It is, Adrian Martin was talking recently on the Cinephiliacs episode with Peter Labuza about why he does his video essays, and part of it has to do with trying to get closer to the material because when you translate it into words, you're automatically sort of removing yourself in some way from the, the thing that you're trying to interact with. And so, I don't know, maybe your, our favorite movies are in that way or the ones that get under our skin in that way. It's just the medium of words doesn't work. Right. You keep coming back to them because... That's all you have. Yeah, that's all you... Yeah, exactly. You can't read about it or write about it or, you know... I mean, you can, but it, it doesn't compare to the actual mm. film itself. Right. And I feel like we're just talking in circles around The Assassin right now. <laughs> we haven't really said um, anything about it yet, yeah. So I liked The Assassin. Um, it, it did come in probably the most trying I should, uh, stretch for me because I saw it literally, it was the third dish film of the day and there was no gap in between the two movies preceding it mm. and the movie right before it was a real experience, uh, Kaylee Blues that, that Sean and I will another, talk about. Another Chinese film that was really good. Mm. It, it was, it, uh, but it was, it was really it was, a it was a difficult movie. It was, it was a difficult uh, movie to get through. It was a thinker. Yeah. Um, and one that also stuck in my in my head after afterwards. Anyway, but then we went straight from that. We walked straight up to CPA and went and saw the assassin. And um, I, I I can say I can say this about the assassin. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, I I love the stillness of it. Um, that's punctuated by these great moments of of action or you know like light or. Yeah, there's not, there's not a, there aren't, there aren't fight scenes. There's, there's just like suddenly a, a flash of, of, kind of, a of noise, of, yeah. yeah, and uh, which is really jarring and, and awesome. And the, and the sound design. I don't know if it's because I've seen, I saw it in that auditorium. The sound design in that movie is fucking phenomenal. Like just oh, yeah, every blade that you hear and every sort of like every noise is just like amplified to you know a thousand. It's really amazing. Um, I and I and I want to see it again to kind of now that I know where it's going, that I can kind of luxuriate in in what it's doing from moment to moment instead of trying to follow what's going on. Um, I will say that the one-off putting thing with it for me, I don't have a problem with slowness, 
or repetition necessarily, but I did feel like there was a lot of one character would say what was you know what had just happened, and then it would go to another scene of kind of another person saying the same thing, hmm. um, which too much explication. I didn't. Uh, well, I, well, it's not. It, it just, so so much of the story is told is told. Yeah, there's, there's kind of a narrative. There's like scenes of dialogue and scenes of action, mm. and the action isn't immediately explicable until somebody right. somebody says it. Yeah, you don't know so, exactly what's happening or who's happening. Yeah, I think I think it's something that, in retrospect, the the story makes a lot of sense. It's it's a it's a, a story that reveals itself, what it's really about, mm. only at the end. Right, mm-hmm. and. Uh, for me, I was not expecting it to end mm-hmm. until it ended, mm-hmm. and then I was like, "That's the perfect place to end." Yeah. But I, you know, up until that last moment, I still expected another hour of yeah. movie. I had I had no idea how much time had passed. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I unfortunately was I didn't get to see it on the big screen. I watched it on my iPad this morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was still so I could see that there was only five minutes left, and I thought, right. "Oh, it was going to end here." I mean. Right, how are you going to wrap this up? How are you going to wrap right. it up, right. yeah. But I agree, it was perfect. As a, as a, a Wuja film, which, which it is, it's a, it's a sword play film, it's a period film set in the Tang Dynasty in the 9th century, late yeah, 9th century, it's, yeah. early 9th century. Uh, and it's about an assassin who has finished her training and she's brought home to kill this guy who wronged her in the past and she's been somebody has been training her to carry out this assassination for the last decade or so so the, this is this is a typical martial arts movie plot and it has like the fight story beats at about the time you would expect them in a traditional wuxia film but the fights are over so quickly right and and uh, there's one there's a fight in the forest where where uh, Shuchi, who plays the assassin, like runs off into the woods and the guards chase after her and Ho cuts and we don't see the rest of the fight. Whereas in a Wu film that would be like that would a be ten a minute set piece, yeah. set piece right. with like people flying through, you know, cedar mm-hmm. or cedar uh, birch tree forest right. and Yeah. Which then there's that whole then it comes back to the emphasis on stillness, it seems like that you were talking about. Yeah. Mike, the, again, the action, and all the focus isn't on the action, but somehow the, the stillness, and then I guess the anticipation of action that can burst out at any moment, which you don't never can quite anticipate necessarily. I mean, sometimes it's obvious that they're walking along and they're maybe going to be intact, but there are other moments when you're just not quite sure. Yeah, it's very shocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very much more shocking than anything that would come up in a regular you know, uh, action film, which is just, you know, always ramped up to a hundred, you know, um, just getting from set piece to set piece, and we're here, it's like, you will have 15 minutes of just kind of, this kind of chamber scene, and then all of a sudden, like, this, this, (laughs) the sound of this sword that just, like, pierces your ears, and before you even have a chance to, like, absorb it, it's over, it's gone, it's like the smoke monster right. that comes out of nowhere, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
but it doesn't it, it, it doesn't come out of nowhere though like, well, it, like no. it appears and it's not what you expect but there's like a long scene of, of like a spell being cast right. so you know that you something is going to happen yeah, yeah yeah I'm just saying that in terms of editing or whatever the sure. first sound that you hear it, it's like a it's like a jump scare or something in a horror movie because it, it you know it, it doesn't telegraph itself right. I guess right. I should say like at least in terms of editing or something like that. Mm-hmm. Just in retrospect, you can see where it all came. It makes sense. Yeah. But uh, when you're going with the flow of the movie, it's intentionally put in there to to jolt you. And you 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 could do something like that, and you could do it in a way that is kind of disrespectful of the of the genre. You're like you're de-emphasizing the fights because you want to emphasize the human relationships because that's what's really important, not the fighting in these action movies. But I don't think host doing that at all no. like I think there's like a, a reverence for the Wucha genre here and he's trying to get at something that doesn't get as much emphasis but is still in all of the the great films of the genre salient point Sean uh, did you want to keep talking about it Jesse? uh can we talk about how just gorgeous it was? I mean, we kind of you already said that it was beautiful, but I mean, just the I loved the play of light in in it. There was a lot of um, kind of a darker scene, and there would be just candles sort of burning, mm-hmm. and something about the they didn't seem like ordinary candles. I don't know. How magic there there are there are images he creates that you don't know how he got them. Right. Uh, like it, it shouldn't be possible. Like I'm thinking specifically of the one with the the reflection of three candlelights somewhere yeah. on the image that it looks like they're just like ghost flames just floating yeah. on the screen. And you do think and there's it's no, magical or something at first. Because there's maybe. no there's no referent on the screen for those images. It's it's like it's like a, a lens flare kind of thing, right. but it's yeah. a reflection or something onto the lens. Mm-hmm. Last call. Last call. All right. I, 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 I don't need anything. Yeah. No dessert, no nothing? No. No, no, we are closed 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock, okay. Okay, okay. okay. you That's still can't good. think about uh, whatever you want. Okay? <laughs> All right, it's, it, it's yeah. usually a struggle dessert. for me. I have to, you know, really take stock of myself. Tomorrow you can come and see me. Don't take it. Those yeah, these two clowns. <laughs> yeah. It could be a headache. Oh my god. Hard time. Yeah. yeah, I'm just constantly popping Tylenol. Oh, you want Tylenol? No. And you spin off show. Yeah. <laughs> and there's so much attention to, to detail in, in the costuming and the set design, and yeah. it's all, you know, it's all absolutely yeah. period right. specific. But not in a way that really feels like it's completely drawing attention to itself. It feels completely organic that, that you look at it and, well, that's just the way it should be. But then yeah. you realize how much detail went into it. And then there's that one gorgeous shot, too, when she's watching um, through kind of this gauze. You don't know exactly it is first that's watching that's the shot that I think of too it's it's beautiful and it it just keeps going too yeah it sits there for like five minutes mm -hmm. yeah yeah and again it's that patience of just kind of watching something through that there's the film is is framed uh, in a you know traditional in a in a uh, a square 133 frame except for there's uh, a, a flashback to a zither Two shots. Two shots. Mm. 
that are actually in a, in a wider uh, frame. Uh, which also, there's also this uh, texture over it where the, the image, well, the movie's partially in black and white in the beginning. Uh, then it's in color, you know, for the rest of it. But then there's this sheen thrown over it. It's a little grainier. Yeah, it's a grainier. The, the color's kind of a little more desaturated. Yeah. To to emphasize that it's a flashback, and uh, as our friend uh, Adam Cook pointed out when we were talking about the movie after watching it, that shot is one eight five because the zither, the zither is too big. Is too long. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So it emphasizes mm-hmm. the length of the, mm-hmm. the zither. It wouldn't look right in a one three three, which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool stuff. Uh, okay, we have switched locations. We are now somewhere on the uh, SFU campus, which is what Simon Fraser University. Fraser University, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike is eating tacos. They're delicious. We were. Talking about Hoshoshin's The Assassin, I have no idea where we left off, but uh, I have a feeling this is a movie that we're going to be talking about for quite a while mm. on this show, if not, you know, in life. Uh, <laughs> yes, one does. So we can, we can probably just leave it there for now and move on to something else. Is that your favorite of the past so far? Yes. Yes, it is. It's the only film I've given given five Letterbox stars to. And uh, as I as I wrote on on Letterbox, I'm trying to be more conservative mm-hmm. with the stars that I'm giving out. I just I couldn't think of any reason not to give it five stars. Yeah, I think I went pretty close to five stars on this one as well. Mike gave it a mere three and a half. Mike wow. gave it a three and a half. Wow. It's good, right. but it didn't hit me like uh, some of the other stuff I've seen here. You know, I, I'm gonna hit you like some of the stuff you've seen. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't be eating chips while we're talking. Back <laughs> <laughs> uh, to your bottom. Well, like I said, it's something that I do want to, you know, um, revisit. You know, um, but yeah, I didn't have um, the same. I wasn't. I wasn't. I, I wasn't engaged with it as much as I was, say, um, the Forbidden Room, which I was just from the get go sold on and just you know kicked my ass. There, there's no film at the festival I'm more excited to see for a fourth time than The Assassin. Not Love Is All, Sean. Not Love Is All. <laughs> love Is All is fucking terrible. That was. That was. We did agree on that. That was yeah. the worst film at the festival. Yes. Uh, and Melissa, you were spared I, that I fate. I didn't get to get see that one. No, it was terrible. The yeah. less said about it, the better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've seen a truly terrible one yet. Just oh, I've seen several a few. mediocre. Yeah, I've I've seen probably three that are terrible. Probably five or so that are disappointing. Five or so that are good. And then like four that are just fucking awesome, which I think well, is okay. Like a pretty good ratio. I've seen yeah. a good fifteen or so that I think are really good. Mm-hmm. That are like four stars or above. Yeah. Out of twenty-seven mm-hmm. total, so yeah, it's not good. bad. Mm-hmm. And only two that I really, really didn't like. Well, I hate everything, so you know, yeah. except okay. for these tacos. I'm telling you, people. What was the name of that place? Anybody catch the name? No. Well, no, I don't first know. sponsor on the George Sanders show. Colorful menu. These tacos. Talk menu, but I 
That's right. right. All right. So let's not ask Mike about taxi because he's eating his tacos. Right. Taxi is fucking great. <laughs> what, 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 what is another movie you have liked? Um, let's see. Well, you guys already talked about Arabian Nights, kind of. Yeah. So I I saw the first part, which you didn't. Neither right. one of you saw. And I saw the third and part, you which you haven't. Which seen. I haven't seen. Yes, but I and I I'm tempted to come back up just for that another showing of the third the third volume, so I can cap that up. I know you didn't love the second half of that one, the third volume. Yeah, but, but what do I know? <laughs> you didn't see the first part, so. Right. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the first. And if you like birds. <laughs> well, the first volume does have, it's a lot of this um, layered narrative. There are kind of three different stories going on of the political situation in Portugal, and it's much, it hasn't gotten into that the formal sort of storytelling of here's one story, which volume two was basically just three stories. Um, so the, yeah, the, the first section filled with a lot, quite a bit like a setup, but I felt like it stood beautifully on its own, too. And it was one of the stories is very funny as well, which I really liked. Um, yeah, I think I think the second film really plays well on its own as mm -hmm. well. Yeah, uh, it's the the one they submitted to to the Oscars, and I mean, I, it's not going to win the no. foreign language film <laughs> no, Oscar. It but never I, will, I, no. I I don't think it's a movie that you need to have seen the first or the third part in order no, to enjoy. Yeah, uh, I do think the third one needs probably the other two, mm -hmm. if not just the second one, like I saw, because, I don't know, it just, it seems out of balance for a standalone film. In the third one, does it return more explicitly to the political No, it situation, never, it never, um, there is like a story within the Finch story mm -hmm. that's, that's a very short, kind of like 10 minute narrated thing, and it's, it's entirely told in narration over footage of protests in okay. Portugal. Yeah. And that's the best part of the Finch story. Right. And, uh, I mean, I, I can appreciate the, the humor of the fact that you, you get to this other story and then it takes you back to the, the Finches mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, you know. Yeah. But then you're back with the Finches. Yeah. Well, then, it, yeah, it seems like it does play in well to the maybe the first part a little bit more. Um, which yeah. is, yeah, tracing the laying off people in the shipyards, and then also this plague upon the bees by these wasps. Um, and then it also follows the filmmaker and his trying to figure out how he's going to make this movie about the political situation, but he's not sure he can do that. So maybe he's going to tell magical stories and set instead, but he's not sure which one he should do and if he can do it. So he ends up running away from his film crew. Um, and it's overlapping with the wasps, and then it's overlapping with the, the shipyard stuff. That's yeah, and cool. I think... I think that there's some, there's some element that I'm that I'm missing in mm -hmm. that uh, actors are reused in different roles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, later in the film, like the guy who is the the main character of the first story of part two, mm -hmm. is one of the bird people in the Finch oh, story. Okay. He's like the legendary bird mm -hmm. trapper. Mm -hmm. And that and he's he's, he's like the lonely bastard in the the, first, the second volume. Right. The the first story of volume two. Uh, without bowels. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and uh, but he's credited under the name that he goes by in the Finch story so I don't know if the Finch stuff is actual documentary and he then took the, the 
the realist story from the documentary and then put him into a fictional story that is a fictionalization of actual events that occurred. So right. mm-hmm. I, I think if seeing the first part might give me more of a clue as to what yeah. Gomez is actually intending. There. Right. And I do feel like I want to go back and just watch all three of them come together. Yeah, I think, think about them. not having seen the first one, I am convinced they would play best in one six-hour mm-hmm. chunk. Yeah. Which is how Mike is going to watch it. That's right. If it ever <laughs> comes to... <laughs> It'll so. probably never come out on... Yeah. But I, don't, I don't know what the release plans are. I mean, it, it yeah. has a distributor, but I don't know mm-hmm. if they're going to release them all at once or do... Right. Maybe if it gets in that Oscar race. There you go. You know, maybe they'll just, just release the second one. Yeah. Well, that's probably what they'll do. Yeah. <laughs> that's how they do things stateside. So. All right, that's true. Yeah. Did Taboo get a release? It did. You know? uh, it played in Seattle eventually. And then it went pretty quickly to Netflix, so, yeah. I think. So. It'll be around. It'll be streaming. Yeah. yeah. All right, so you finished your tacos. Would you like to talk about Taxi? Taxi, yeah. Uh, Jafar Panahi's Taxi, uh, which I saw yesterday, and uh, Sean, you decided to go see something lame instead. Yep. Uh, (laughs) uh, It's great. I chose poorly. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, anybody that's familiar with Panahi's stuff, you know, this is not a film, um, and the stuff that, since he's been censored um, by the the government um, in Iran, uh, he's he's been making these not films, <laughs> and, but I, to be honest, the less I say about Taxi, the better it is. Going going into it cold is really great. I mean, as long as you know that he's not allowed to make movies, and yet he's still finding a way to make movies, the there there are twists and turns in this that I did not see coming, um, that are just amazing. And the and the and the first half hour just had me on the edge of my seat. I was I couldn't believe what was what was taking place there. Um, but the setup is he's driving a taxi and he drives around uh, the city picking up different people and uh, some of them recognize him for being a famous filmmaker, a formerly filmmaker. Um, but it's also, you know, just like this is not a film, uh, it's a commentary on, you know, his struggle, you know, his very personal struggle where he's, he's you know, being... Uh, you know he can't do his he can't he can't work in his profession anymore, um, and then the struggles within that, and then also at large you know the the struggles of artists and and you know independent thinkers within um, Iran you know right now, and uh, it's great. And and uh, that first half hour, once again, I don't want to I, I really don't want to go into because you're both going to probably see it tomorrow. Sounds like um, if you can maybe I probably will now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll just yeah the the first half hour then seeds its way to really kind of the the main thread of the film, um, which is kind of what I just talked about, and it and it loses a little bit of its kind of surprise when it gets to that part. Um, but have you seen this cinematic film, Melissa? I haven't seen it. No. Okay, I know uh, that movie ends with one of the what I think is one of the greatest final shots of cinema in the last five years. Homeboy does it again at the end of this thing. It's 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 crazy. It's great. Um, so, it, yeah, it's, it's one of the best films of the festival. And uh, the thing I liked about it the most was, while it's angry and, and, you know, there's all these political reasons to get behind it and, and artistic reasons and all of these other things, um, it, there's also this kind of 
joy to it, this kind of good, like, he, he's not bitter, you know, he's finding, he's finding ways to work within, you know, the constraints that are given to him, which are the most, you know, restrictive they could possibly be, but he seems like a genuinely happy person, and he seems like he wants to highlight, you know, the beautiful, you know, people around him and stuff like that, he's not just making this, you know, strident kind of attack on, on the government or anything like that. But he happens to do that too, and it's really cool. So. It seems like there have been really interesting films that have come out of very restrictive regimes, like if you hear Kislovsky talk about his filmmaking kind of under the oppressive regime. I mean, he talks about there was a certain amount of creativity that was forced upon him because he had to be working within those kind of that particular structure. Yeah, and this movie, even more so than This Is Not a Film, gets into what exactly those restrictions are. I mean, there's a really blatant, uh, there's a scene where literally the restrictions are pretty much read verbatim, um, and it's, you can't do anything with that. You literally can't, I mean, it doesn't allow you any sort of leeway in anything. Um, and yet the bastard pulled it off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting how some, some places with with uh, dictatorial or authoritarian regimes can produce yeah. really good movies or literature or music or whatever, and some can't. Right, that's true. And I don't, I don't exactly know what the what the difference is. What, like, what's the difference between yeah. Iranian cinema and Iraqi cinema yeah. in the nineteen eighties? Right. Mm -hmm. Neither regime is especially more liberal than the other, but one has this great flowering of, of yeah. cinematic talent, and the other, as far as I've ever heard, did not. Mm -hmm. Right. But I don't know why. Yeah, that's interesting. It's just, it, may, it might just be chance. It might just be, yeah. you know, the the fact that that all of all of those people were there at the same time and could work and together and feed of off each other yeah. and have like a little encouragement and also competition. Yeah. Right. Sure. Well, Taxi goes into you know this is not a film. It's so much more personal because it literally takes place entirely within his apartment, you know, in one day, and it's him on screen the whole, or practically the whole time. Um, and like I said, this one is more about um, kind of kind of, kind of co going into that the, the kind of community that you have where you you are getting movies on the black market because you can't see the new Woody Allen movie except if someone you know has a bootleg copy of it and you're willing to you know do a shady deal or something like that. So it kind of shows you that part of that world, which is you know, and maybe maybe in somewhere like Iraq or something. It's not even, even though it's not accessible through proper channels in either place. Maybe the black market runs better in Iran or something like that. Or there's there's means to you know. I like I like that it that it's a, a product of a community. Like I, I think of like uh, in in Taiwan, which was a, a military dictatorship, albeit not as restrictive a one as as the one in, in Iran in the in the eighties. But but it was still an authoritarian country. You still have these these uh, directors, some of whom had gone to school in America, some had not, just like hanging around in Edward Yang's house, and Po Shashin and, and uh, uh, Wu Nianjin and, and Edward Yang and, and all of the other people of the Taiwanese New Wave, all there working together and writing together and commenting on each other's scripts and helping out on their films, editing or shooting. Po Shashin acted in one of Edward Yang's first films. Yeah, collaboration. Yeah, yeah, and then that's absolutely apparent in Taxi too. Um, that he couldn't, 
he could, he can't do this without help. Uh, yeah, and like you have uh, like the the Romanian director, so it's a similar kind of thing. Or, Which we're going to see one tomorrow night. I'm really yeah. excited. Treasure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we talked about about police active a couple episodes ago, yeah. but you see that you see that all over the place in Polish cinema in the eighties. There's right, yeah. you know like a few, a handful of directors right. all, all kind and of working together. Right, and did have these other directors, but they were yeah. all the same film school. I think art school they went together. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Let's hear it for oppression. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting because the this uh, this movie we watched last night called the the Dream of Shahrazad yeah. is kind of about an inorganic attempt to produce something yes. like that. Yeah. Which is it's a it's a documentary following artists uh, mostly in in Turkey and Egypt uh, around the time of the the revolution in Tahrir like Square in Egypt. Right? Yeah, and yeah. then the the kind of second revolution that followed yeah. the collapse of the first one and then also uh, kind of an a time of increasing nationalism in Istanbul and tying, trying to tie it together with a kind of pan-Islamic cultural thing as right. embodied in The Thousand and One Nights which is kind of a stretch because it's more of an Arabic thing than a specifically Islamic and Turks aren't Arabs but that's beside the point yeah <laughs> uh, a lot of it is is it's about these artists who are trying to capture the the revolutionary moment in their world in very non-artistic kind of ways for the most part yeah it's kind of this troop that they call themselves storytellers and actors I guess and they're yeah. kind of just a group and they sing together which is kind of cool and then they will have someone telling a story um, it feels it, parts of it do feel slightly propagandistic though because there's this one yes. woman who goes to meet this mother of a boy who's killed in the riots and she kind of takes on the role of this mother and then tells the story of the mother and then ends up handing out like pictures of the well, boy it's, it's the actual end. mother that's doing that it's not it's the, not the actress Oh, and who's handing out the pictures? Yeah, of the, the, boy. the mother tells her story yeah. four different times, and each right. time it's become increasingly more theatricalized. Right, and it, it feels a little bit more and more like icky as it as it goes on. So, but it that's not the perspective of the film, though. No, it isn't. I mean, yeah. it feels like it's very like they're they're making art, and you know, in the midst of this kind of oppression and this horror, and but it does, yeah, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like art authentic at all. No, which is such a shame because it is a real tragedy, and it is. Interesting that people are trying to do something, but it feels forced, as you said. Yeah, it's. I don't know. They're like trying to make journalism out of art instead of the other way around. Right. Uh, the the one guy I thought was really interesting is this is this old uh, Turkish guy who has spent decades crafting this massive tapestry illustrating okay. the Thousand One Nights and it looks really cool and he's got all of these drawings that are like comic book style things and they're really neat. And he's just obsessed with this like he's a boy and he's kind of done all these drawings yeah. and that guy yeah. was cool. I like I, I would like Definitely. I would like his Thousand and One Nights graphic novel. I would like to read that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well speaking of films made or, or art made with restrictions, I the, the movie I watched just right before we started recording this today uh, Landfill Harmonic is a documentary about uh, these kids in the slums, I mean not even the slums, just uh, literally outside of a landfill in Paraguay that um, form a, an orchestra, uh, but they don't have instruments and so there's this really 
great guy that finds stuff in the junkyard and builds violins and drums and cellos out of, you know, tin, and it's, and it's totally insane. And it's a totally crowd-pleasing documentary. Uh, it, won, it won best, you know, audience reaction at South by Southwest or whatever. And usually that stuff is like, Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> and, 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 I, and, I, and I can't stand that stuff. But this thing is, I, it, it hooked me from the beginning and it's adorable. The kids are so enthusiastic about music and just seeing like them, their status elevated out of like literally living in garbage um, and all of the great opportunities that it affords them just by learning this music um, and being so obsessed with it is, I mean, it hooked me. It took it took the it took the scrap metal that is my heart, <laughs> strung it up, and played the shit out of it. And it was really impressive. And I have a feeling it's gonna probably get a wider release because I think everybody else loved it too. And uh, Megadeth's in there, and it's really weird and it's awesome and it's it's really a great film. It's always nice when when kids find a way to be pulled out of garbage. Yes. <laughs> yes. For all the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, well, that sounds great. Yeah, I, I liked it. I, I was, while I was watching it, I was like wrestling with myself. Like, I was like, I'm totally buying into this. But, <laughs> but you know what? Like, who cares? Like, I, why lie to myself? You know? Let myself, I, I'm going to go with my feelings on this one, you know? And, uh, you know, when you see these kids just, playing this, you know, Mozart or something on, on a tin can or something, you're like, what the, f like, my life is so fucking easy, you know, just sitting here in a college meeting room eating, you know, expensive tacos and talking about movies, you know, it's too easy. <laughs> go, go find a garbage pile. I, I just may. Well, it sounds like, I mean, I kind of, it sounds like if it was a very straightforward approach, I wish that there was maybe a more straightforward approach in the dream of Shahrazad, just because it, it, it seems like they were just able to, their lives kind of spoke for themselves. Exactly. Right? It's a cookie-cutter documentary. I mean, it follows the right. template of, of Searching for Sugar Man or any of those other, you know, crowd-pleasing documentaries yeah. in the last several years. But if the subject matter is interesting, you don't need to throw bells effective. and whistles on it, yeah. and, you know, it, it'll, it'll work, you know? And the friendship between these, you know, teenage girls that are playing the violin and learning together, it's just, it's great. <laughs> You're a big softy. I'm a big softy. <laughs> what can I say? I think, I think Vancouver has finally worn you down. You were uh, so probably tired. Probably so. You were so tired, you have become a sucker <laughs> for the heartstring tugging kid Kids. musician documentary. It's, it's good. <laughs> Who are you? I, I'm a monster. I'm, I'm history's greatest monster. Yeah. Alright, so the hordes are, are uh, descending upon us and making it impossible to talk. We don't really have much more to discuss anyway. So I think we're just going to call it a show <laughs> right now. Melissa's well, seen behind the curtain at all the production meetings that go into each episode of the George Sanders show. It's, uh, really, it's really elaborate. Yeah. Yeah. You want to just call it? Fine. Yeah, um, but there's more coming. There's more write-ups on the internets from us. SeattleScreenScene.com. You're writing on the end of cinema.blogspot.com, Sean. 
I am. Uh, Melissa, you've got your Twitter account, One Twitter Able account. Day. I have a journal of film.blogspot.com, which I kind of have a write-up of what I've seen in the last first two days. And you'll be writing some stuff on Seattle screen scene. Yes. When I says the editor find time <laughs> to do that. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, as usual, George Sanders Show, the George Sanders Show. Blogspot.com at Geo Sanders Show on the Twitter. Got 48 hours of me tweeting left, so get on it, people. It's very exciting. Very exciting. Highlight of the festival. I'm born for, for Twitter. Uh, and yeah, that's it. So that's it. We have more movies we're going to see here. We're going to see the John Jay Cobb movie, the Cornelia Plumbaugh movie, the Arnaud de Clashen movie, and maybe some more animals getting killed or like no more for me, please. The, the, <laughs> the ladies falling in love and doing sexy stuff movies. Right. <laughs> Until next time. Just a kiss, a sigh is just a sigh. The fundamental things apply as time goes by. And when two lovers woo, they still say I love you. On that you can rely. No matter what the future brings As time goes by Moonlight and love songs Never out of date Hearts full of passion Jealousy and hate Woman needs man and man must have his mate That no one can deny It's still the same old story A fight for love and glory A case of do or die